0: Good morning, Westgate. How's everybody doing? Well, Merry Christmas. Let's stand and worship our Savior. (music) Heart
1: the herald. Heart the herald. angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on.
0: Of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. have a seat welcome to Westgate Chapel we are so excited you chose to worship with us today if you are a first-time guest please check out the visitor center out there we've got just a small Christmas gift for you welcoming you here and everyone if you have a smartphone please download the app that'll help you stay connected here at Westgate lets you know what's going on or you can check out the website how many of y'all excited it's Christmas there we go even first service was really excited. they were they were awake this morning. It was great. Um, but I love that. I love the spirit of Christmas we 've got a lot of stuff going on here at Westgate coming up uh, in just this, this next week and going into the winter season. So everybody take a look at the screen, see what 's going on.:
2: Good morning and welcome to Westgate Chapel. My name is Denine, and I am the elementary director here at Westgate we 're so glad that you 've chosen to worship with us this morning. The new year and the winter season is just around the corner. We have a lot of exciting things planned here at Westgate Chapel. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Bible is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates our souls and judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Today, in your sermon notes, you received a brochure for a large variety of Bible studies taking place this winter at Westgate. These Bible studies will not only help us learn more about God's Word, but also seek to allow the Word of God to transform and shape our minds and hearts. Bible studies are also a tremendous way to spend time getting to know others and build up the community as you study the Word together. So check out the winter Bible study offerings and sign up through the printed brochure, the Westgate app, or the events page at westgatechapel.org. We are a growing Life Group-centered church where we believe Life Groups are the best environment to be deeply connected with others and grow in our walks with Jesus. On Sunday, January 14th, we will be having our next Life Group sign-up event. Many Life Group leaders will be available to meet you, answer your questions, and get you connected with the group. That's just a small part of what we have happening here at Westgate. Be sure to visit the Winter Westgate table in the cafe for a full calendar and details. Thanks again for joining us. It's going to be a great morning of worshiping together. Enjoy the service.
0: I forgot my microphone when I went back there. There you go. Well, now I want everyone again. We see a lot. Of, we got a lot of great stuff going on coming up this winter here at Westgate. You want to be involved? I highly encourage you to get involved with a life group. It has changed my life dramatically. It has, it has helped us get through some really tough seasons and some really joyous seasons as well. If, you've, if you're in one, can, can you just raise your hand? Tell you, say that it's awesome. Yeah. If you're in one, you know it. Um, for now, I want everyone to stand up and greet one another, and tell everyone, tell tell someone what your favorite Christmas food item is. Okay.
1: the sun is dead. 1, 26 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And the angel told her, Do
3: not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and the most high and you will call him jesus he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end
1: we relight the candle of hope and expectation recalling god's promise to send a savior As we relight the candle of preparation and peace, we are reminded of the peace that Jesus brings between us and God and his call for us to prepare our hearts for the coming again of his son. Now, today, we light the candle of proclamation and joy. It is a reminder to us the extravagant gift we have received from God in his son, Jesus Christ, and is a call to rejoice in the Lord our Savior.
3: Now for prayer. Father, We are filled with joy overflowing in worship because of the hope and peace that you have so graciously given through your son to all who believe. We take great joy in surrendering our lives to you and your purpose and ask that you would help us as we go out from this place to be the voices that proclaim your grace and truth to the world, that they would also know the joy that comes from receiving the salvation that is found in your son alone. Christ's name we
0: pray. Amen. I just want to encourage you, use this song, think about what God has done for you and the joy that he offers us through his son. Use this song as a reflection of what God's done for you.
1: story.
4: pray with me. Father, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to be here in your house worshiping you this morning. And God, we uh, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for as we have been going through this series together over the last many weeks, as we focus on Christmas, God, we recognize the incredible gift of hope and peace and joy and love that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, in a broken and dark world, it is truly the thing that carries us. And Father, we have gathered to worship you for that this morning. I know that as we've come in here today, God, that there are many things that probably come in with us on our hearts and on our minds, that would seek to distract us from our worship of you, that might cause our hearts to be downcast or just simply distracted. And Father, we lay those things at your feet. We ask God that you would free our hearts to hear from you this morning. That God, we would be able to worship you with all that we are, not just in song, but as we hear your word and we seek God to allow you to change and to transform our hearts from the inside out. And so Mm -hmm. Father, we worship you. We pray God that you, in our worship, that you would move as we study your word together this morning. As well, we worship you in the taking up of our offerings. Father, uh, you've given us so many good gifts. And God, as we give back of our tithes and our offerings, we do so with the recognition, God, that you have done so much in our lives in bringing your son Jesus into this world to save us. And Father, as we give back, it's our desire to be a part of that message continuing to spread throughout this community and this world to people who need your son Jesus. And so God, truly our giving is an act of worship It's an outflow, God, of what you have done in us in a prayer and an ask, God, that you would continue to do that in the lives of others. And so receive our worship this morning, God. May it bring glory to your name as we lift your name high. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. If you are sitting on the center aisles, you can grab those offering buckets, begin to pass those out to the sides as we collect our morning offering together. Well here we are uh, getting ready to go as I told the uh, first service uh, if I sound a little down this morning somebody gave me an early Christmas present and uh, that was a sickness. So whoever did that thank you. I, I love receiving gifts. Give it to somebody else next time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My own family was like let's keep six feet from them in that first row. Um, I, uh, but God is good. We're going to get through this, and uh, Satan would love to distract my heart and mind this morning as well as ours. So we're going to dig in and let God speak. Does that sound good? Amen. Amen. We've been in a series together called Tis the Season, as we lead up to the Christmas, uh, Christmas season, which is upon us, and uh, we have been talking in this Advent series about the incredible gifts that God gives to us in his hope, in his peace, in his joy, and in his love, And uh, this morning, we're going to be digging in deep, taking a look at the joy that God gives to us. Now, as I was preparing uh, for this morning to talk about the joy that the Lord gives us that seems elusive in our own world, I went looking for news stories online to find some sort of heartwarming story that would, would, would just show us how we can have joy in our world. And I, and I went ahead and, and pulled the first stories that I saw so you guys could see these. The first one uh, was this. I found this news story, Hugh Grant's transformation from Hollywood heartthrob to old, fat, and ugly. Uh, that's not very uplifting. That's not joyful. Uh, somebody definitely ruined his Christmas with that one. Then, uh, if you know me and know me well, this next one is very painful for me as an angel fan, but Shohei Otani was officially introduced by the Dodgers. Um, Yeah, you're out. Um, Ushers, right down here. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking for joy, people, not gloom and sadness. It's a very dark world that we live in. Uh, But next, as I continued to go, like, there was just this continued theme, carbon monoxide poisoning leaves three men dead one critically injured. Uh, The next one that you'll see, it uh, it said that real estate investors are warning that the U.S. is entering the greatest correction of its lifetime. Uh, Next, an emboldened and confident Putin says there will be no peace in Ukraine until Russia's goals are met. The next one that I looked up, a 27-year-old Israeli hostage in Gaza has died, according to the prime minister's office. I mean, guys, I'm, I'm going and looking for like News stories that bring joy, and I recognize like there's just a lot of darkness in our world. But then there was this glimmer of hope. I read this one news article that brought so much hope into my heart, and it was this: taking more naps could change your brain size. I, dude, I thought to myself, I love naps. This is good, but then I remembered the last head scan that I had, when the doctor came into the room, they looked at me and said, well, I looked at the scan, and I didn't see anything remarkable. What? <laughs> like, that's hurtful. I was positive that there's something very remarkable upstairs. So there was no way that I was clicking on that article. It was going to tell me taking more naps makes it smaller, and that's my problem, right? Uh, You know, what's interesting is you look at the news in our world today, 90% of news stories have a negative bent, and all sorts of things will play into that. No doubt, we've got a news media in a world that is just bent on hateful, uh, uh, very negative uh, news reporting, but what's interesting to me is that they also know that that's the kind of stuff that feeds us and gains them clicks, Because when we see a negative, there's like psychological studies that have been shown that when we see a negative uh, uh, news story, like we're drawn to get the dish. We want to know the bad that's going on in the world. And so they know that with a negative news headline, they can get us to click and we can read the news. As well, one thing that's interesting is that back, especially when I was younger, and some of you will remember this, is that back then, uh, we used to be what we call receivers of news. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, people would write the news, and they would give it to us, and we would read stories, and we would digest it. But in our world today, we're not receivers. What we are is what? Consumers. We are consumers of news. And so when you go out onto the web and you're looking for news to consume, there are all sorts of algorithms at play that Google and everybody else and every social media site knows the types of things that you are looking for. And because we tend to have a little bit more negative bend at times in what we search for, those are the things that are often showing up. There's no doubt, with all the negativity that surrounds us in our world today, it has a huge impact on our moods, but also in our experience of joy or lack thereof. And yet this morning, as we finally reach the crux of the Christmas story, we've been setting the stage over the past two weeks together, taking a look at the beginning of the story of Christmas. From the book of Genesis and and understanding the history leading up to the birth of Jesus, this morning we're going to take a close look at how we can live lives that are full of joy, even when 90% of what surrounds us feels dark and feels heavy. If you have your sermon notes, I'd encourage you to pull them out and follow along. I wanna begin where I've begun the last couple of weeks. I think if we're gonna talk about joy, we need to understand what it is, especially from our world's perspective. And so I want us to define what is joy. When we talk about having joy, what does our world say? And uh, we've got a definition when you look it up in the dictionary that is basically this. There's four parts to it, letter A, that joy is an emotion that is evoked by a few things. It's evoked by, number one, well-being. In other words, we experience joy if things in life seem to be going our way. As long as everything is falling in line, life is good, not got any major sicknesses going on, you know, no job losses, right? As long as our well-being is good, then we experience joy. It also says that joy is an emotion that is evoked by, by number two, success. Uh, You get into the school that you've always dreamed of being in you uh, get a good grade on a test, you, uh, you get that promotion or that raise at work. Maybe in the stage of life you've been going through, you finally find that person that you wanna spend the rest of your life with, whatever it may be, whatever you would define success, Joy is an emotion that's evoked by that success. When you have that success, you experience joy. Number three as well, it says that it's an emotion that's evoked by good fortune. You're going through the Chick-fil-A line and somebody decides to pay for your meal in front of you. And you're like, oh, look at that, made my day, good fortune. Or maybe, you know, the bank finds that they made an error in your favor. And so you get money back and you go, good fortune, good things are happening. It's unexpected. And so we experience joy in that. But as well, joy is also defined as an emotion that's evoked by not only well-being, success, and good fortune, but also at the prospect of possessing what you desire. In other words, there are certain things that we want in this life, and when we receive them, they bring us a sense of joy. I've shared the story a couple of times where my son, one of my favorite Christmas stories ever, when he was young, wanted to have a motorized scooter. And he had told us for like months on end that it was the top thing on his Christmas list and that Santa needed to bring it. And so, Uh, Being the good father that I am, we bought it and we hid it. And we didn't put it under the Christmas tree. And after we ended up unwrapping all of the gifts, he was walking around the house like somebody had just died. And he was so sad and so sullen. And I was taking great joy in watching it. And (laughs) then as... You know, after I felt like, you know, he, he, might, he, you know, he was going to go into a really deep depression, I went upstairs, and as I'm coming down the stairs carrying the stu- scooter, Garrett was kind of walking back through the hallway with his head down. He looks up, and he sees it, and his eyes get really big, and he literally drops to his knees, and he starts crying. Like, it was, a, now, now I know, wouldn't it be it is a beautiful thing? Now, remember, he's much older. I'm talking about when he was younger. This wasn't yesterday, although that would be funny, but... Um, <laughs> He was so excited to be able to receive that gift because the prospect of possessing what he desired and what he longed for brought a sense of joy. But I want you to catch this about joy in our world, letter B, in our world, joy is circumstantial. In other words, as long as things are going my way, as long as things are falling into place, as long as I can keep that thing that has brought me happiness, you know, For Garrett, that scooter broke a few weeks later and never worked again, and it became a source of pain in his life. No longer was the joy present. You see, in our world, joy is circumstantial. It lasts for a short time. Number two, it's also dependent upon what you have. As long as I have that thing that I desire, then I can experience joy. But I want to tell you this morning, if you are waiting for perfect circumstances to find joy, or to have the right amount of stuff, then you're gonna be waiting a very long time for your joy. And you know that this is true, because when you feel like you've finally gotten it, when the stars have aligned and everything has fallen into place, you only get it for a second or two, and then poof, it's gone. It's elusive. The stars have stopped aligning, something has fallen out of place, and joy remains an item that is hard to keep our grips on. Do you need any proof? I've shared before that when I was in college, one of the things that I loved to do with one of my friends is go to Disneyland. We had annual passes, and we would spend a ton of time there together. And sometimes we would go into the park and enjoy uh, Disneyland. Other times, we would just go to Downtown Disney and sit, sit right outside the entrance to the park, eat some food, do some homework, and watch people go back and forth. And you know, it was an interesting thing when you're watching people going to Disneyland. You know, Disneyland's the happiest place on earth, right? It's the place where you go to get joy. It was wonderful watching families walk into the park because their faces like kids are just giggling and bubbling over and excited. And parents have these big smiles. They just bought the ears for their kids and got their names put on the back of them. There's so much joy. But can I tell you, have you ever looked at their faces when they walk out of that place? Oh my. It's like the kids have been possessed by an evil spirit. I'm telling you the sadness, the tears and the parents that are screaming and fighting with each other and they can't wait to get home and be done with the experience, right? Why? Because joy in our world is circumstantial and it is easily fleeting when things don't seem to go our way. But I want you to see the difference this morning about how the Bible talks about joy. Let her see. In the Bible, joy does not come from what you have. It doesn't come from what you have. Now, it's not about having a nice car or a nice home, a good job, or a lot of money in the bank. Joy doesn't come from well-behaved children and a happy marriage and good health. Because the truth is, things like that in our world don't last. They break. They fall apart. Joy doesn't come from what you have. But in the Bible, we see, number two, that joy comes from what you know can't be taken from you. And I want you to hear this clearly this morning. The only thing that can't be taken from you in this world is Jesus. He is the only one, the only thing. And I want to acknowledge something this morning. I know that for many of you, I understand that you may have come here to church this morning out of tradition or out of a routine in your life. It's kind of what you do, whether it's at the Christmas season or on a weekend, week out basis but you're also likely putting on your best face for church. There's this weird thing that happens when we go to church on Sunday mornings. Most of us have experienced it where we are having one mood and situation that happens at home or in the car on the drive to church or even in the parking lot, but there's a magical thing that happens when you walk through the doors here. It's, it's like being at the happiest place, on right? Your face, glasses over, and everything is good again, right? And I wanna acknowledge, like, that's a real thing. There's a strange metamorphosis that happens from home to church on a Sunday morning. But I also understand that even in the midst of that, there are those of you that are here that are experiencing the darkness and coldness of this world in a way that you never have before. And what you think is tradition or routine this morning, I believe is really God trying to break through your world with the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And it is not an accident that you are here listening to this message from God's Word today. Because in your notes, the gift of joy that you seek is wrapped up for you in the good news of a tiny baby that is born in Bethlehem. I want us to take a look at that together. We have spent the last many weeks in the lead up to this part of the account of the birth of Jesus, looking at the Old Testament where the story began, leading through the prophets and to this in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there with me. If you have your phones, you can open up those apps, scroll with me. And if you have none of that, uh, it'll be up on the screen for you to follow along with. But Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. (coughs) As we read the account together, It begins with Mary and Joseph. You'll remember as we talked about last week, Mary and Joseph had an angel of the Lord that appeared to them to let them know, to give them a message that Mary was going to conceive of the Holy Spirit and that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Literally, they were told that the Messiah that Israel had long awaited for was going to be born. And that it was going to be Mary who was going to be the mother of this child. And as we pick up the story, and remember this is something that the Hebrew people, that the Israelites have been longing for, for centuries. Remembering the promises that God made to Abraham so many centuries before waiting for their fulfillment to come. And here Mary and Joseph have received this news and the story then continues. And it tells us that she gives birth to the son, to Jesus, to the savior of the world. But Jesus comes into a family of no notoriety, a very poor family, a family that didn't have much and who's born in a stable animals, literally laid in a feeding trough, the Savior of the world. And it tells us that as this is happening in Jesus, the Savior of the world is born, that in the same time there were shepherds that were in that same area that were out in the field, and it tells us very clearly, as they were watching over their flocks by night, that an angel of the Lord appears to them, and it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the angel pronounced, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I want us to look at this section of scripture together this morning because I believe as we look at it and we think together about the good news that brought great joy that the angels pronounced to the shepherds out in the field, that there are four very important truths that we can glean from this passage that help us to understand the nature of the joy that God offers to us, but how it is that we can also receive that joy. And so the first thing that I want you to see with me this morning, if you're following along your notes, is this, is that the good news that brought great joy, letter A, as we read this passage, it tells us that it broke through the darkness. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we just read that it says, in the same region, there were shepherds who were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, as we understand shepherds, shepherds, again, were people who were of no standing in this culture. Oftentimes, they spent much time away from their families, separated out in the hills, out in the pastures, doing their thing, protecting the sheep, many times sleeping out overnight, making sure that no harm would come to the sheep that they were responsible for. Either it was sheep that was a part of their family, and so they were taking care of their own sheep, or even them being servants of some master of who they were working for. And it tells us that at the time of Jesus' birth, that these shepherds that are out in the field are out in the field in the middle of the night. Can you only imagine what it must have looked like for them being out in that field, in the pitch black of night, away from any lights of the city, being able to see the incredible vastness of the dark sky and the stars that were there, probably the only light that they had being a very small campfire in their camp that would just make the darkness seem even that much darker. And it tells us, and there's actually this crazy allegory that you can see within this passage of the darkness that wasn't just physical of the night that the shepherds were there, but this allegory of a darkness that was over the Hebrew people at this time. You see, if you remember... From the Old Testament moving into the New Testament, God's people had been exiled away from the land of Israel, and though they were brought back, they constantly sat under the hand of different countries and oppressors. They were not in power of ruling themselves as they once had been. And because of this, it felt like a very dark, heavy season in the life of the nation of Israel. From the Old Testament to the New, from the speaking that we have in the Old Testament of the last prophets until the time that we read about here in Luke chapter 2, 400 years past, where we have no recorded speaking of God to his people. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it does paint a very clear picture of the very long, vast time where God's people sat in darkness, not knowing what was going to happen, but holding to the promises that he would send a Savior. It's an intriguing allegory as you think about the darkness that they sat in, that these shepherds sat in that night. And you know, it's interesting. uh, I think as well, there's an interesting coincidence about Christmas as well being celebrated on December 25th. Now, I hate to break it to you, but December 25th is most likely not Jesus's birthday. I know, I'm the Grinch. I'm ruining Christmas for you, but some of you grew up. And that was the tradition that you were taught or that you practiced, that you celebrated in your homes. You know, you baked a little cake for Jesus, and it was always the flavor of your dad's favorite cake, because it was the same as Jesus' favorite cake, and you celebrated together. But here's the deal. The truth is, is historians aren't exactly sure of the day. December 25th kind of sounds good. And if you want to get technical, there's like a 1 in 365 chance that they're correct, okay? So... (laughs) But we don't know the day, but I do want you to understand that December 25th is not just some random day, but about 300 years after the time that Jesus was born, the early church set aside one day to celebrate his birth. And there were arguments about whether or not they should do this, but what they did is they looked at the calendar and picked a day that actually happened to be in the middle of what was known as winter solstice. Interestingly enough, it was thought to be the coldest. And the darkest day of the year, the day where there was the least amount of light. And this is the day that we celebrate the light that came into the world. The shepherds are out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appears, and the glory of heaven illuminated the darkness. I can only imagine what it must have looked like to have the glory of heaven illuminate the night sky, causing it to shine like the day. But not only did the physical light of heaven break through the darkness, but the prophet Isaiah tells us that when speaking of the coming Savior of God's people, he said that the Savior would break through the darkness that is our world. In Isaiah 9:2, he says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone, And in the same breath, the apostle John saw the birth of Christ the same way when he said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What he tells us is that in this cold, dark world, light and life have come. Light and life have come to us. The reason you can experience joy in the midst of what may be a cold and dark season of your life is because the Savior of the world has broken through the darkness. In his coming, as we have looked together over the last many weeks, you can have hope because of what we talked about in week one, because we serve a God who always fulfills his promises. He always follows through. You'll remember that he when he went to Abraham and made his promise, he said many things. Abraham, I'm gonna make you wealthy. Your name is gonna be known throughout history. I'm gonna give you land. I will always be with you. You're gonna have a child in your own age, and from that child is gonna come an incredible nation, and from that nation will come a blessing for the entire world. And up until this point, that we have been reading, God has fulfilled every single one of his promises that he made to Abraham, and he still continues to do so. We can have hope because we have a God that is all-powerful, in control of all things, that always fulfills his promises. But not only do you have hope, but that hope now that you have, hope that isn't based on circumstances, but something that does not change, which is God and his promise in Jesus Christ, that hope also now brings you peace. And last week we talked about this, is that the peace that God brings to us isn't just a cessation of our problems. That's what Israel was looking for. They didn't understand, though, that the greatest peace that they needed was not the removal of Rome, but it was the separation that was between them and a holy God. You see, Jesus came into this world to restore the peace between us and God. Jesus came to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that the the friction that was there in our relationship with God could be healed and could be restored. And last week we talked about this: that peace on earth only comes because we have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we can experience complete joy knowing that one day the darkness and pain of this world will completely pass away because we will be with him and reign forever. This is why James says in the New Testament, "'Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing.'" What is James saying to us? Consider it joy. Have joy. When you go through hard times, that sounds craziness, but you can have joy as you go through hard times. Why? Because God is at work preparing you, maturing you for an eternity that will be spent with Him. Once all of this world and all of its brokenness is pushed aside, you can live and reign with Him. And I want to tell you this morning God wants to meet you right in that place this morning where you are struggling to find joy. He wants you to take your eyes off of your circumstances and place them solely on him. Because in him, and in him alone, the only one who is constant and trustworthy, in him alone you will find the hope and the peace and the joy that you are longing for. I saw a beautiful picture of this as I was studying earlier this week. I came across a video online of a man who had quite literally lost everything. He lost everything in a tornado that swept through his small town in Kentucky just a couple of years ago. And from the world's standpoint, they would look and say, this man has no reason to have joy because he's lost everything. But here's what baffled so many people, even the reporters that were questioning him. What baffled them? was that the very thing was the very thing that could never be taken away from him. Watch this video. How many of you guys recognize the song that he was playing? Anybody here? Handful of you? The song, Jesus, the words that go with what he was playing. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. You know, watching this man as he sits in the rubble of his home with everything gone, sitting there playing these words, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there is something about that name. When the news stations interviewed this man, they asked him the question, what would you say to those who are going through the literal storm or even the figurative storms that occur in all of our lives? And his words were this, my faith is in Jesus. My faith in Jesus is what guides me through the good days and it guides me through the bad. I would hate to face any storm in this life without Jesus. He is the anchor of my life and of my family's lives and the one who brings me peace and joy in the middle of what could be considered the greatest tragedy. I want you to hear this morning that the message of scripture is not to put your hope in the world or in this life. It is not, hey, this life is gonna get better and better. It's not a message of health and wealth. To be honest, the message of Scripture is that life is temporary. And this life can be hard. It can be cold and it can be dark. But Jesus has broken through the darkness to bring great joy. You see, the good news that brought great joy broke through the darkness. When Jesus entered in, he came to conquer sin and death to restore us to God. His desire was that we would be reconciled to God and that our eternity would be secure in him. And knowing that, no matter what brokenness we face in this life, we can have great hope and great peace and experience incredible and unspeakable joy because of the gift that is given in Jesus. But the good news that brought great joy not only broke through the darkness, but as we look at this passage, we see that it was also given and not earned we see that this joy was given and not earned. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, the passage continues and says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy." In other words, this good news of great joy or this good news that brings great joy is not something that we have to obtain ourselves, that we have to work for in order to attain and try to hold on to. It literally was brought and given by the host of heaven. As I was studying this past week, I found a website, which by the way, if you wanna have some fun with your family, uh, all you gotta do is go to Google and type uh, kids letters to Santa. You'll find a number of websites. but There is this one and I was reading it and I was finding much joy in some of the things that children will say to Santa at Christmas time. And so I found three favorite ones that I wanted to share with you this morning. The first one is this. One child writes, dear Santa, I have been trying to be a responsible person. I hope I would get what I always wanted the thing I want most is a dog, dog, dog. I know I haven't been taking care of my giga dog. I guess that's an electronic dog, but it's not real and a dog would be. And Santa, I would even trade my one and only mom for a dog. Love, Megan. Dude. Sorry, moms. I know my wife's frowning at me for that one. That was phenomenal. Here's another one that I read, Dear Santa, I'm not eating my boogers anymore, so, so now you can bring me some toys, please. I want a cat toy that plays with you. Thank you, Rain. Uh, that's great. But seriously, my, my real favorite is this one. Dear Santa, there are three boys living in my house. Jeffrey is two, Jared is four, and Jake is seven. Jeffrey is good occasionally. Jared is good some of the time. Jake is good all of the time. I am Jake. (laughs) Oh, man, isn't that great? Oh, my goodness, children. You know, that mentality of a seven-year-old tends to be the spirit that we ourselves have. We try not to think of ourselves as someone that needs to be saved from sin, but we compare ourselves to someone in our life or in society, and when compared to them, we think I'm doing fine or I'm doing okay or pretty good. So we try to grade ourselves on a scale of goodness compared to other people. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there is not one person that walks this world that can earn our salvation or favor with God. And not only have we all fallen short of God's glory and sin, but it tells us that the wages of our sin is death. No matter how good we think we are or how good we try to be, there is nothing we could ever do to save ourselves. And so the only hope that we have is to be saved by Jesus. And that is the good news of great joy, that where we were powerless to save ourselves, God himself has made a way. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. You see, the good news that brought great joy, it broke through the darkness, not just the physical darkness of this world, but the darkness of, of our lives and the evil and the, the pain and the difficulty, and it came to bring hope and to give us joy. The good news that, that brought great joy is also given and not earned. It's not something that we have to work a lifetime to try to achieve, but God in his love and his grace and his mercy, his graciously extended to us as a free gift for the taking. But I believe the most beautiful part of this passage is the very next words that are spoken in that verse, where the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It's not just good news of great joy, but it's good news of great joy that will what? Be for all people. You see, the good news that brought great joy was for all people, Let her see. We remember this as we think about the promise that was made to Abraham so many centuries before when God met with him. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses two through three, we read God saying and making this promise, Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. This incredible promise that we have in Jesus, the light who comes into the world, breaking through the darkness, who is giving us a gift of salvation, a gift of hope and peace and joy. It's not something we have to earn, it's freely given, but it's freely given to all people in the same way that God promised to Abraham so many centuries before as in the fulfillment of Jesus in his birth in the passage that we read. And it's incredible that this news came first to a bunch of shepherds in a field. Shepherds who were looked at, not with favor, but looked down upon. They lived out in the hills. Oftentimes, shepherd was a, was a derogatory name. They were considered to be smelly and dirty people. They weren't thought of, of just being physically unclean, but they were also considered to be spiritually unclean by the religious leaders. They often weren't allowed to come into the religious community And they couldn't even be an eyewitness in court. But the beauty of this passage is that the pronouncement of the Savior of the world the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has come to restore peace between us and God, to give us a promise that if we would put our faith in him, we would spend eternity with God away from the brokenness of this world and living and reigning with him. The beauty is that it wasn't brought to the rich and to the noteworthy people of the world. It was brought to a bunch of no-name, no shepherds that stink out in the middle of a field. And why do I love this so much? Because it tells us that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far you are from God or if you're thinking that lightning will strike you when you walk into the church building. This gift of great joy, the gift of Jesus, the gift of eternal life, the gift of hope and peace and joy with God, it is a gift that God has for all people and that includes you. I was thinking about the depth of this this week and I listened to another pastor who was talking about how he had used the alphabet to begin to write down and understand what it meant when the passage said that this was good news of great joy for all people. And he wanted to use the alphabet to kind of write out who all people were. And so I'll share just a little bit of that with you this morning. Letter A, it is good news of great joy for airline pilots, attorneys, artists, acrobats, astrologers, the Amish, adulterers, atheists, addicts, all people. Letter B, babies, Baptists, boy bands, the bullied, the bullies, the bossy, the bitter, the broke, and the broken. Letter C, Canadians, Cambodians, Cubans, Mark Cuban, CEOs, crooks, criers, cutters, and critics, cat lovers, and critics of cat lovers, all people. Letter D: dads, Democrats, dead Pete's, drag racers, drag queens, disc jockeys, the dude who's going to cut you off on the way home, all people. Good news of great joy. Elvis impersonators, environmental activists, evolutionists, exaggerators, even Eminem. All people. Letter F, faithful, faithless, fearful, fearless, the forgetful, the forgotten, the frustrated, the finicky. Letter G, the good, the grateful, the generous, the greedy, the gassy, the glamorous, the gullible, the grouchy, the guilty. All people. Letter H, hard workers, the hardly working, harsh, the homeless, the homosexual the homophobic, the Harley riders, the hipsters. Good news of great joy for all people. Letter I, India, Indiana, introverts, influencers, illusionists, even IRS agents. Letter J, janitors, jugglers, journalists, the jealous juveniles and adults who act like juveniles. And my favorite, letter K, Chloe, Courtney, Kim, Kendall, Kylie. (laughs) Even Kanye. And all of the Karens. Okay, sorry, sorry, I had to. I think you get the picture, right? All, all people. This is good news of great joy for all people. And no matter where, who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, No matter what sin you have committed or how long you have committed it for, no matter if you committed it before you walked in these doors this morning, the good news that brings great joy is for you. And church, this is a message not just for you, but it's a reminder to us that even as we go through and we do a fun thing, like listing out all of these things with the alphabet of the different types of people that encapsulates all, many times we will write down things of people that we think, hmm, I'm not sure they match up. And it's a strong reminder that God has come for all people, and he calls you to take the good news of his son to all people. And this, to me, is the most incredible part of this passage, is that the good news that brought great joy, letter D, was so incredible that it had to be shared. It had to be shared. In Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 18 after the shepherds have heard this pronouncement and it tells us that they have run to find uh, the baby and his parents and they found him in the stable and they've beheld this incredible thing that the angels have told them. I mean, can you just imagine what took place there? They're out in the field, an angel shows up. Heaven is just causing the night sky to turn to day and this angel speaks and tells them the savior of the world is here. It's the one that you have been longing for. It's the one that you've been waiting for. The one that was promised so long ago to Abraham and that the prophets talked about. The day is here. He has come. And then, on top of the incredible promise being shared with these shepherds, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, the best choir you've ever heard, breaks out praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And I mean, the place must have just been incredible. But the shepherds are so overwhelmed. They run and they go to find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And when they do, the passage tells us that they are just overwhelmed. It says that when they saw it, that they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They couldn't help but get it out. They couldn't keep it in. Everyone needed to hear. And it says that they wondered. And when they heard the message, that they wondered at what the shepherds told them. Could this be? Could this promise be real? Has our hope finally come? Has God finally remembered us? Has he sent our Savior into the world? And people, as they received that message, couldn't help but spread the news because of how incredible it was. And church family, as we walk through and we understand the incredible gifts that God has given us in his son Jesus, that we have hope. Where our world looks at hope as a question mark. I hope that I will get what I want. Our hope is confident because we have a God that fulfills every single one of his promises to every single generation that lives on this earth. And because we have hope, we can have peace. Peace with God because he sent his son into this world to reconcile us with God. And when we have peace with God, We look at this world differently. Our trouble is no longer something that seems like it will go on unending, but we know that one day all of it will be wiped away and we will live in perfect peace with our Savior and reign with him forever. And that is why as we go through seasons of trial and difficulty, whatever it is for you this morning that is causing your world to feel dark and cold, can I tell you that you can experience the very joy of God because of the beautiful gift that has been given you in Jesus Christ? But this is a gift to be received, but also church that we must go out and share with others. For God has radically transformed your life, and there is a world that is desperate in need of this message. So will you be so overwhelmed by what God has done in your life that you can't help but run and tell people who are perishing without Jesus. Father, we are overwhelmed by your love for us. Oh God, that as a people that have rebelled against you, that have sinned against you, that you would love us so much that you would send your son into this world. It it overwhelms us. We don't deserve the gift that you give to us and yet you give it so freely, God. You sent your son into this world to die so that we could be reconciled to you and in so doing that we could spend eternity with you. That is a gift that is beyond compare. But Father, as we are overwhelmed by what you have done and the ways that you have loved us, the ways that you have forgiven us because we are so undeserving and yet give us this gift. God, I pray that you would stoke our hearts in such a way that we can't help but run and tell others in the same way that the shepherds did. So that in this dark world that we live in, where joy seems to be at a premium, very hard to grab onto and hold onto, That, Father, you would help us to be those who go and share the testimony of your Son, Jesus Christ, who brings hope and peace and joy into the world, regardless of our circumstances. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. As we close our service this morning again, uh, if there are any prayer needs that you have, uh, prayers for healing, maybe you are walking through a dark season and you are struggling uh, and you just need someone to talk to and somebody to pray with you to help give you hope and to help you to recenter your eyes off of your circumstances and back onto the Lord. Our prayer team would love that chance to pray with you this morning. got Isaac and Bethany that are here this morning up front. Also Barbara and Tom that are here on this side. And we'd love for you to come down and we can pray with you here in this room or even over in our prayer room. We just invite you to come. As we close our service though as well, we've got a lot of things that are going on as we move into this week leading up to Christmas. I want to make sure that you are aware of when our services are so that not only you can be here to worship together with us, but really most importantly, that you can be thinking about who God has placed in your circle that needs to hear about his hope and his peace and his joy that he gives to us in his son Jesus. And so uh, I would love to invite you to come and to invite your friends and family to come with you to our Christmas Eve, what I will call Candlelight Services. Uh, We have two of them that are taking place, one on December 23rd, this coming Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. It's going to be a great service of worship together, interactive, and reflecting on the story, a beautiful story of Jesus Christ. We would love for you to come and join us 7 p.m. on Saturday, or we will hold that same service also on Sunday, uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So we invite you to put that on your calendar. Make sure you come. But it's also a reminder that we will still be having our normal Sunday morning services on Christmas Eve morning. And those services are going to be different from the candlelight service. And so uh, they'll be a little bit shorter, about an hour in length, but we will be spending time again reflecting on this last a beautiful thing, the culmination of what we have in Christ, which is the very love of God. So I hope that you will come and you will worship with us. But church family, remember that this gift was given to you, but there is a world of all people that need this gift. And God has strategically placed you in the lives of people that he wants to receive this gift. And so use your opportunity this week to go out and to share this good news of great joy with others. Invite them to come back to continue to hear it, that they too might receive it. God bless you, church family. I look forward to worshiping with you this coming week. We'll see you next time.